This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right. You want to start off? Go ahead. Grab, grab, the, grab the microphone here. One second. Make sure it kicks in. Okay. So it's actually not a question. It's like kind of like adding on yeah. what you said about Sumaru Minicham. So yeah. um, our teacher in seminary, anyone who went to Nachlas, Mrs. Gresma said that um, in this is a certain Shiramal, it's a Shiramal in Ayaharim, Ayaharim, Ezri. So you're asking Hashem, like, where's my help coming from? Like, this design is so hard. And then Ezri, Mayim, Hashem, Hashem, Hashem's going to help you. Hashem made that challenge. Like, you're looking to the harm, the mountains, like, such a big challenge, but Hashem made that challenge, and He's really going to help you get through it. Also, very good, very good. The, the same, the same source for the challenge is the source that's going to give you the help to get through the challenge. Beautiful, very good, very good. I see there's a whole McGill on the screen, but I can't read it. No, it's way too far. I just can't read it. You want to read it? Sometimes a person goes through something and feels that way to begin with, but then when the dust settles and they have to live with the implications of what happened. It could be a bigger challenge. Say it again slowly. Sometimes when a person goes through something and like in the beginning, they're okay. Yeah. Then they have to actually deal with the situation. Yeah. It's harder to sustain the discipline. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's true. It's true. Sometimes, you know, it's interesting because it's a hundred percent true. What this person is saying is that sometimes, you know, we always said there's like five levels of grief. There's, there's denial, there's anger, there's bargaining. Right. And the last one is acceptance. Right. The last one is that a person actually has acceptance. But what they teach in psychology is that it's not necessarily that it goes one, two, three, four, five. A lot of times they all manifest itself all at the same time. And sometimes a person regresses also. So sometimes you have a person who's going through something and they're fine, 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 fine. And then all of a sudden they break down. They have a hard morning because like they were fine for like three months. And all of a sudden they get up and then they go, this is very hard for me. This is a challenge that I can't happen. It's a hundred percent true. And in a certain sense, I think that that a person oftentimes needs to have a support system. And a lot of times a person needs to have like the fortitude to be mechazic, even what they already accomplished in their life. You're 100% right. That, meaning she's, whoever wrote this is 100% right. That a lot of times you have a person who had achieved a certain level, but they can fall back. They could say, but today is a hard morning for me. Today I feel alone. Or I'm at a simcha and this is hard for me. Or whatever the case may be. Yes, 100%. It's true. And it's very understandable. And when somebody goes through that, it can sometimes be more challenging. Like a person has to be has to be has to be able to get themselves back to that point if they're if they're in need of doing that for sure. For sure. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Is there any bracha you recommend to do this with, and anything you can connect to? To do any specific bracha yeah. that you recommend to do it with. I think the easiest one is probably Shmakalinu. I think that's probably for everybody is like the easiest one, right? Um, but, you know, when people go through, let's call it things with health, so then it's Rafa'inu. Sometimes it's, you know, in the beginning, um, Atagibar. Like, I think for every person, it's like, it's their own thing. For some people who are struggling with Kedusha, it might be Atakadash. You know, it might be like the shortest bracha where like you're just like going over in your mind, like just the concepts in your mind. Um, I think that every person in, in a certain sense finds their Nisayan, like what their, what their specific challenge is. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. Years ago, I was, I was in Staten Island. I was assistant rabbi in a shul and it was right before Purim. It was actually, it was on Purim, I believe that there was this, this 
guy, an older man, probably, I don't know, I'm going to say 65 years old, a Russian man, and he had a grandchild who was probably like 12 years old, and they found the shul, like randomly, like they found the shul. They were walking down the street. They found that this guy who came from Russia was very blown away that there were like Jews that were practicing. He didn't even know. And like he walked into the shul and it happened to be, it was like Purim. So he was like, what goes on here? They're like, oh yeah, you know. And all of a sudden there's like music and dancing and drinking and, and the Suda. And this guy was like totally blown away. And he started coming to shul. He was, you know, there on Shabbos. Um, now he wasn't from, he was totally totally not religious, not affiliated with anything. The shul shortly afterwards had a Ksiva Sefer Torah. And then at the end of this Ksiva Sefer Torah, this Russian man with like, you know, like a, like a, like a mustache, you know, like classic Russian Zaidi, you know, like with the accent and the whole thing, he stands up and he says, you know, I want to speak for a minute. So they said, sure. So he, he holds on to the Sefer Torah and he says, I swear by this Sefer Torah. And everyone's like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, like, you know, like they were like, hey, don't, don't say anything else. Like, don't say another word. And he was, he was like, he was like, he didn't know anything. He literally didn't know anything. Um, and he gave a whole passionate speech about how he grew up in Russia and, and religion was suppressed and he had nothing. And then slowly over the next few weeks and the next few months, the next few years, this guy and his grandchild became much closer to the shul until they were on their way to becoming from um, you know, at least much more religious than they were in the past. This grandson, you know, was bar mitzvah and he was putting on tefillin. It was like, it was like unbelievable. And I remember at the time watching this guy go through his, his transition. I remember even at one point, it was Shabbos and, and they, he, they gave him an aliyah. And then he made a mishaberach. And then never, he didn't know. And he like took out money. He's like, okay, I want to give money to the shul. And they were like, no, stop. Like, you know, be, basic, the total tinek shanishbai didn't know anything. And you're watching this man and his grandchild slowly become more and more and more from. And I remember saying the words one time in Shemun Esrei of Atagibar. Atagibar Leilam Hashem. Mechayim Eisim, Adarav Lashiach. Hashem, look at you. You're Mechayim Eisim. This guy was spiritually dead. He was nothing. He had absolutely nothing in his life. Mashiv Arach Merit Hashem. Like the winds just blew this guy right in the door. Right? He comes walking in and all of a sudden... It's like raining bracha into his life of, of what? Of ruchnius. Like all of a sudden this guy had nothing. He was completely devoid. He was like a barren desert. He had absolutely nothing. All of a sudden, and like the words of Atta Gibar just like stuck, stuck, out of, like stuck out of my mind for like a few years. How like you see how the Abishter takes these nishamas that are just like completely lost, never saw a Sefer Torah, didn't know about Shabbos, didn't know anything about Tefillin. And on the on the perfect day of the year to walk in on Purim, the day where it's just like a party, the guy was like sold on the show. He was like, if this is what Judaism is about, count me in. I mean, this is just a party over here. And that to the next thing, to the next thing, started going to, to people's houses for, you know, for, for students. It just was so transformative, this guy's life. That Pusuk stuck out to me. It was like a certain like, Baruch Hashem, I didn't know anybody who was dying and nobody who was sick. So I, I, I think, I would suggest that like if a person finds words, you, sometimes you find words that are not necessarily in Shpernesri. It could be in other things. It could be in, in Avarabba. You know what I'm saying? Just the love of Hashem. It, it could be, you know, we spoke about this. Lishmar Just the idea of Kiyom have an excitement in something in your life. I think every single person needs to find something in their life that gives them an excitement. And I think that there's just one more step over here that in so many areas of our life, there's excitement. There's like, 
you know, your job probably gives you excitement. I hope, you know, <laughs> at least the people who work for me, you know, like, you know, like there, there's so many things in our life that give us excitement. It could be your family. It could be anything, right? There are things that give you excitement. And then there is like other stuff. It's like, I have to do this. I have to be a Jew. I have, I have to dive in. I have to, what, what do you have to? It's almost like, it's so, it's so schleppy. It's so schleppy. You know, when it comes to relationships, we tell people that if you're doing something as a reaction, if, if your, if your husband says to you, can you do this and you do it, or your wife says to you, can you do this? And then you do it. It's worth almost zero. It's worth almost zero. If something is proactive, if you take the initiative and say, I was thinking about you and I'm doing this, that's worth a million dollars. Try this with anybody in your life. Try this with your mother, even if you don't like her. Okay, get her something, text her something, write her something, leave her a note, a card, a gift, a flower, anything you want. Be, do it proactively. You'll see the person will melt. They'll be like, wow, like, where did that come from? No, I was, just, I was thinking about you and I did it, right? When it comes to our relationship with Hashem, how much of it is reactionary? How much of what we do is reactionary? We, we turn on, on, on the news. Okay, it says over here that, that there was a tragedy. And it says, here's a kapitza to tell him you should say now. You're like, okay, fine. Now it's time for me to say tell him. So what does that mean? A message came down. We responded to the message. Fine, very good. We did what we were supposed to do. But like on a random day, there's like somebody like drive and they're, and, and they're just like thinking like, wow, Abishter, like look at this beautiful world you created. Like I'm just going to like say like, you know, open my sitter and say, you know, Kapitel to Hillam right now, just like as a thanks to, to the Abishar for what I have in my life. We don't do that. We don't do that. We're not as proactive in our relationships as we possibly could be with, with Hashem, with our, everybody else around us. It's very reactionary. But when it's reactionary, it's worth like 5% of what it really could be. It's so much more valuable when you, when, you, when you have a drive to something, when you push towards something, when you initiate something. I think that's the key. When you initiate something, it's so much more valuable. So, yeah. Okay. Anybody here want to say anything? Feel free to grab a mic. Yeah? Or somebody online? Go ahead. Someone said it feels like, it sounds like a magic trick. Uh, what we're thinking about a blessing accomplished, what's the logic behind it? It sounds like a magic trick? Abracadabra. It's, I don't think it's a magic trick. I think that, you know, tefillah is kavana shabalev. It's all about the fact that you feel a certain thing. What is that feeling? I think that when we're children, we're, we're very much programmed that what tefillah is, what tefillah is, is, is bakasha. It's asking Hashem for something. Fine. It's true. Part of tefillah is bakasha. Obviously, you can ask Hashem for certain things. Right? But if you look in the Gemara, the Gemara talks about the, the structure of tefillah, how you have the first three brachas and you have the last three brachas. The last three, let's focus on the last three brachas for just a minute, right? The concept of maidim and sim shalim. These brachas are, are not bakasha anymore. These are brachas where you're internalizing to yourself maidim, right? You're, there's a certain hachna of like, Avishter, you run the entire world. I'm appreciative for what you put into the Bria. Right, Sim Shalom Taiva, like you are Shalom, fill up the world with Shalom. These are tefillas for like things that are not personal tefillas necessarily. So I don't think that this is magic or abracadabra. I think that this is very, very logical in that if a person takes even the brachas where they need things and they're appreciative, or they take the brachas where they're appreciative, appreciative and they also put in like, hey, like I have like a, a, a tsara or I have something, but I appreciate the fact that you gave structure to my life. Then, yeah, it goes from there. You know, I, I want to just also say that I think that a lot of people are like almost shocked that they have challenges. 
Like they go through this life. They're like almost looking for like that zone. Am I the only one? Like where you, where you're like looking for that zone. Like when does it end? Like when do I not have, like, I don't want to be dependent on anybody. I don't want to be dependent on Hashem. I want to just like live on an island and just like, just, just not need anything. I don't want to need money. I don't want to need, you know what I'm saying, right? Like you just, you just want to not. And it's interesting because our, our needs, Sha'asali calls our feet, right? Tzarfi, like every person has, we're, we're, we're needy people. That's the bottom line. You need somebody to, to be a farmer so he can make the food so you can eat. You need somebody to be a builder. We are, we, are in, we are social creatures and we need people. We need a society and it all comes from the Abish there. So I don't look at it as hocus pocus. I look at it as, as a real internalization and a mindset shift an appreciation. Yes, I need this, but I have the kayak to do this. How many people were appreciative that they need money, they have money, and they have the ability to work for their money? How many people were like appreciative of that? I think most people get up in the morning and go like, why didn't I win the lottery yet? We're looking for that, for that shortcut. We're like, it's not fair. You look around at like all these like rich people and you're like, why them? It doesn't make any sense. Like, why not me? That's the shortcut. That's, that's where we're trying to live life with that lottery attitude, that like short, quick burst. I'll wake up in the morning every day. There's, you know, a million dollars in my account. I could sit back. I don't have to do anything. Okay. That's one attitude. That's a very short-sighted attitude. The other attitude is where you say to yourself, Abister, you give me, you gave me a need, but you also gave me the ability to fulfill my need. Like you just said, right? You said before, you said you gave me the challenge of money, but you also gave me the ability, Hashem, you gave me the ability to work for my money and appreciate that I work for my money. Like you gave me all the things that I need to go from A Z. I remember years ago when I was a Bachar, I think I was, oh, I think I was like 13 years old. Probably like the first job I ever had was going back to, um, <laughs> this sounds funny, going back to, um, I, I was a kid. I don't, I, I definitely was not able to drive or anything. And there was, if you, if you know on Hashanah Rabbah, so they have those like bundles of Hashanahs, right? So there's like um, there's like these few organizations that that they have this like sweatshop, okay? It's like these underground sweatshops where it's like these massive refrigerated rooms of aravas, hashanas, right? And they hire kids to come out. I guess it's legal. I'm gonna assume. I don't know. Um, and basically, they take you take five aravas, okay? You, you take beforehand like a lulav strip, like a piece of a lulav. You rip it up into thin little strips. So you take off one lulav branch and then you break it in half and then you strip, 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 strip. So it's like, it's like a whole bunch of like very thin strips, okay? And then you take five aravas, you bind it around with this lulav strip, okay? And then you take a rubber band and you put it on around this bundle and then you put the bundle on the side. And for every one that you do... I forgot if you make two cents or five cents. Okay. I forgot. I forgot the exact number. Okay. Like you, for every like hundred that you do, you get a ticket and the ticket is worth like, I think maybe $5. And at the end of the day, you take like your bucket of tickets. You go into the office to some guy who's like happily handing out money. Cause he's making like $5 million a day, you know, like, and he had, he hands you like your like $75. Your fingers are numb. You're working in like a refrigerated setting because your fingers are totally you can't feel anything um and if you do this for long enough you can make like i don't know 75 100 whatever really not a lot of money okay and i remember my friend told me like before circus if you want like you want to really rake it in this is the way to do it so i went down there 
and I worked like a mishugana. And remember, it came time for lunch. The guy said, if you want to take a lunch break, it's on you. You, you come and go as you, as you please. So I said, fine, you know, I, I need lunch after like six hours. I'm going out for lunch. So I walked into the store and I remember looking around at the food and I was like, I can't buy anything right now. No, do you have any idea how many Aravas bundles like a bagel or cream cheese cost? That's like 75 bundles. You got to be crazy, right? No way, right? And I remember thinking at the time, my perception of money is developing. Like you put in work, it has a value and it goes somewhere. When people get like a windfall of money, 99% of people who win the lottery, overwhelmingly, they're usually, they go broke very quickly. They lose their family and friends. You get divorced. They, have, they alienate from their children. They have like literally almost nothing because they've never actually built up that healthy balance of understanding the value of work, reward, money, value. They never put all of those pieces together. So what happens when it just got like a windfall? It's almost like a klala. It's like amazing. We don't even think about it. But yet we all get up every single day and we go to our jobs and we're miserable. We're like, oh, I gotta go do this again. This is terrible. Whereas at the same time, the thing that we're like, dreaming of like it would be a dream right imagine you like woke up like yeah Tom Shabbos had a raffle somebody put in your name you won 50 million dollars you'd be like wow my life is made no it's not your life would be destroyed nobody thinks about it like that your life would be destroyed so the thing that we're complaining about is the bracha and the thing that we're looking for is the klala we don't we don't oftentimes have that that shift so when you're standing up tomorrow and you're saying baruch alinu internalize the fact that like Hashem gave you a job he gave you the ability to work and yes, you do get a job and yes, you struggle for it, but you have a value of your money and you're healthy and you're normal and you're not one of these people who's like just throwing away money, but you have no concept of what it means. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? There's so much, This I think this is the key. There's so much bracha in our lives on everyday level. We don't even realize it. We're always looking for that next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Whereas if you're willing to put in the time and invest the time and watch things grow slowly, Become the Warren Buffett of your own life, right? Warren Buffett, the guy's like the, the wealthiest guy, one of the wealthiest guys in the world, because he has this principle down to a science. There's no shortcuts. Everything is going to be exactly how it's supposed to be. That is a slow growth over time. And the guy built up multi-billion dollar, you know, company. How? Because there's no shortcuts. It's not cryptocurrency. You don't like throw it in two days later, $100 million. That does, that's, not, that's not how life works. But we get pulled in and we think that what we have is the klala and what everyone else has is the bracha. And it's the exact opposite. The fact that we have the ability to work for something and value it is bracha. And I think that there's so many so many things like that. You know what I mean? When it comes to your, our health, when it comes to our parnasa, when it comes to our relationships, you have the ability to transform any of those things if you're willing to invest the time and the effort and have consistency in it. And if you're not, and you're just saying, but that person is in better health than me or better shape than me. And this person is wealthier than me. And this person is happier than me. So I want what they have. It doesn't work that way. You have to be willing to stop and invest on a daily basis. Ba bayamim, that you come with all of your days accounted for, that you work towards a goal and you strive towards that goal and you actually accomplish something in that goal. It does not happen automatically. So yes, part of the bracha is the bakasha. I wish I had more, but I would suggest that before you even start with the bakasha, that you internalize the bracha that you have inherent in the thing that you have. If you're asking for something, first internalize what you have. You're davening for a shidduch, first internalize that you're a healthy 
well-balanced, normal person that you're like fit to be in a shadow. You know what I'm saying? There are people who don't have the emotional capacity to, to be in a shadow. If you do, where's your, where's your appreciation for the fact that you're already half the shadow? It sounds funny, but like before a person's married, they're single, right? Before a person's married, they're a person. If you're, if you're looking for step two, appreciate that you have step one. Appreciate that you are a person that can sustain a relationship. There are many people who are not married, but they cannot be married. They cannot sustain a relationship. You know how many people I've sat with, single people, single girls or boys? They're, they're, they're not 19 anymore, right? They're older and they're complaining. When am I going to be ready to start Shadokim? What do you mean? You're 35 years old. You're not ready? No, they're not ready. They're not ready. They're emotionally not ready. They've gone through things in their life or whatever it is that they are not ready to be in a Shadokim. If you're ready to be in a shidduch, before you're davening for your shidduch, where's the bracha in, where's, where's the recognition for the bracha in your life that you are fit to be in a shidduch? You know what I'm saying? There's not, I'm not saying small things over here. If, if you can't appreciate that, you don't realize in the sign of somebody who's not even ready to start the shidduch process, let alone finish the shidduch process. There's so much bracha right in front of us. And very often, because negativity rises to the top, we focus on that negativity and we go, I mean, you know, listen, you know, this is not fair. If I had somebody else's life or somebody else's whatever, so then I would be good. No, you wouldn't be good. You have to go through your journey and you have to appreciate what you have. And then you can ask, of course, for more. No question about that. But first, really appreciate what you actually do have in your life. The burden goes away when you realize, I'm not comparing. I once heard somebody say, um, somebody was saying, oh, that person has like such a great life. It seems like they have X, Y, and they go, yeah, but you don't know what they're really struggling with. Like other people don't have to struggle for you to be happy. You don't have to like make everyone else's life miserable for you to be, ha- okay, yeah, Baruch Hashem, at least everyone else is also struggling. That's not the way it needs to work. You could be happy for other people. And I think that's part of the gavura and part of just, just being a confident person is, is, is being happy for other people with what they have. But for ourselves, appreciate the bracha inherent in what you currently have. Within every struggle, you have bracha and appreciate that bracha and internalize that bracha and, and, and say that bracha, say it, say it. And the next time you're asking for something, first, first surround it, first quote it with, with recognition of the real bracha that you have. Yeah? Is there something on the screen? I can't see anything from here. Okay, but speak it up, please. Okay, two questions came in about feeling tefillah. One was, how, do you, how don't you get burnt out of davening for the same thing for right other person asked just one question i don't feel my prayers is that an issue i feel like everyone has real heartfelt tears that she doesn't feel the feel the prayers okay so let's deal with the second one first yeah i think that the default of tefillah is that most of us don't unfortunately feel it right it's called avayda believe. literally means that it takes like you have to put yourself like mindfulness, like therapy. It's therapy. If, if you look at therapy as a, as a certain openness, now I agree with what you're saying. I think that if you look at therapy, like a certain openness, right? Where there's like, like you're breaking open your heart and you're actually like exposing yourself to somebody in that sense. Yeah. I, I, I would. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. No, I, I think that's a very interesting way to put it. Yeah, in, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Meaning a certain a person is standing and they're, they're bearing the heart and soul. 
and they're able to go through the process, except that in therapy, there's like a facilitator. Uh, no, and and no, but uh, uh, no, and, and in tvila and in tvila, there's a sitter, right? And in tvila, there's a sitter where a person is able to go through the curriculum of tvila and go through the the process of tvila. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's a very it's a very nice way of putting it, right? And th- I think that the default though is that a person goes through the motions and doesn't actually put their heart into it. So we always say that the opposite of a relationship or the opposite of of a good relationship is an apathetic relationship. It's a coexisting relationship. And therefore somebody with Dominic Manesting goes, so then it's a very, there's nothing there. There's no, there's no thought. There's no Kavana. There's no mindset. There's no anything. So then it's, it's very, it's very, it's from one to a million. It's probably maybe a one, you know what I'm saying? It's not, you're not getting it off the ground. So the default is that we say the words because we have to say the words for sure. So the mindfulness where the openness, the, th- the therapeutic side of things is where a person stops and says, let me actually throw myself into this tefillah, right? I'm saying, Sadiqan, when they would daven, they'd be schwitzing and crying and moving and wailing. And it would be like moving mountains because like the, the words actually like meant something to them. So yes, the person is 100% right. That the default is that they are not feeling anything because that is the default. You're saying something in another language. That is what you're going to feel. But if you're stopping for a minute before you have, you say something and you internalize it, then I think that it actually, it does transform something. And that's what I was saying before, I think, and he brought this down, that you should chew it over. Let the words go through you before you go through the words. Like, think through the words. Let them, like, let them go over your neshama a little bit. Like, think about that. And I think that you'll see that there's a little difference. The other question was that sometimes a person is davening for something. And they don't necessarily find that they're getting their tefillahs answered. And the answer to that is very simple, is that obviously that's not the Ratzon Hashem. And, and I think this is where it, it takes a lot of gvura to be able to be mavatal yourself to what the Ratzon Hashem is. Sometimes the Ratzon Hashem is that this does not happen at this time or at this place, at this juncture with this person, whatever the, whatever, whatever the circumstances may be, and the reason why we think that it should happen and the reason we're so adamant about it and the reason we're so angry about it is because we have our ego perspective, our limited perspective on the world. And we go, well, God, doesn't make any sense. My seminary teacher promised me I'll be married 16 minutes after I left you know, seminary and it didn't happen, right? And, and somebody else told me I was going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 25. It doesn't make any sense. You don't know what you're doing up there. That is ego perspective. That is the perspective of a child, of somebody who has a very limited vision on the world. And you know, it's very interesting. You know, I, I always say I have like a tremendous chus to be able to meet incredible people, um, whether it's speakers, you know, when we go on like different programs or Shabbat and whatever, like incredible, just incredible, like people, people who like literally are just unbelievable and also people who've gone through such nisiyanis like crazy crazy hard nisiyanis that i oftentimes think to myself like if i went through this person's nisiyan i i can't imagine being sane like literally what these people have gone through and it, it's really a schuss to meet you know these kinds of people get to meet them and know them and and, and have their phone numbers and speak to them and one thing that i have is that sometimes people who go through the hardest nisiyanis things that are like truly like life altering. I'm not talking like, okay, I need a little bit more money every month. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like real, real, real understanding. They are forced, they are forced to either crack or break. 
And when, and when I say crack, they fall apart. And more often than not, they break. They, have, they break the ego. Their ego breaks. And they are able to have such clarity and have literally see the world in the most beautiful light. They're able to see the world through their neshama. Their ego is broken. You had no control over the circumstances. Everything just happened way beyond your control. It's not, it doesn't make sense. You could try to wrap your mind around this. This will never make sense. And they're able to like just sit there and smile and be like, wow, life isn't life amazing? Just, just amazing. It's unbelievable. You're like, how is your life unbelievable? It, it looks like it's in shambles. And they're like, yeah, you know what? You know what broke? You know what shambled? My ego broke. My thinking that I'm in control, my thinking that I knew that I needed children or that children don't die or that I, you know, I, I have my health or my, my mobility or whatever the case is, they're like, that broke. What broke is that I used to see the world through that. Now I see the world through a totally different lens. And it's, 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 it's fascinating to be able to like talk to some of these people. And it's so natural to them. They're not like, yeah, and then I had to work through this. It was like this instant moment of just shvira, of breaking. And what did they break? They broke their ego. But the biggest matana, they view it as the biggest matana. When we look at them, we're like, nabah, like, this is so hard. And they're like, what's hard? I don't understand. What are you saying? What's hard? What's hard is to be like the keli that was makabal, the bracha of Hashem. You're like, where's the bracha? The bracha is, is that they have the most, they have the clearest vision, the clearest perspective on, on, on the ruts and Hashem. They're like, this is the ruts and Hashem. I was once by a levaya of parents who lost a child and his father got up. Everyone was devastated and broken. And his father got up and he said, I, I, was thinking over the last few hours, what did I do to deserve this? Everyone was quiet. He said, what did I do to deserve this holy neshama that Hashem entrusted to me for just a few years and then took him back? What did I do to deserve this? What schus did I have to have this neshama in my house for, for the few years that I had? Everyone was like, wow, that's emuna. That's emuna. That's perspective. You're able to see the world through the the eyes of your neshama. The eyes when you were standing next to the Kisei covet and you saw all the nishanis you're going to go through and you're like, I got that. Why? Because I understand that there's a cheshbon with this neshama and I understand that there's a cheshbon with my health and I understand that there's a cheshbon with my parents and I understand there's a cheshbon with everything. In that perspective, you're, you're like, it's so clear. Of course, what's the shayla? Of course I accept that. But when we come down to this world, we get tainted and we don't see that anymore until there's shvira, until it breaks Oh, when it breaks, it's so clear. The rest of the world is looking at you and they're going, Nabah. And you're looking at it and you're going, Nabah, I'm the luckiest person. I'm the one who actually sees the world in the right light. It's you guys who are Nabah. You still think that that's that money or that car. You think that that's what's important. You think it's important to run after those things. You're the Nabah. I'm not the Nabah. I'm lucky. I have a real perspective on what's real in life. So is this easy? No, it's not easy. And for those of us who didn't go through that shvira, it, it takes sometimes breaking yourself open, being vulnerable, like actually opening yourself up and, and having a scratch, a glimpse, a something, epis of the bracha that is inherent in those challenges. And then those challenges itself to appreciate, yeah, this is the Ratzon Hashem. Mi bara ela, who created you today here in this matzav, in this situation that you have now? Who gave you the kaychas to get out of this, to, 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 to make the money that you need and to be emotionally healthy and go through all the things? Who gave that to you? 
Who did that? Shem. If you have that perspective, you're happy, you're lighter, you don't have this burden that's like sitting on top of your head. You're able to go through life with like meaning and purpose. If you don't, so then you're always saying, well, if I had this, if I had that, then maybe I'll be able to do something or become something. It's not true. It's not true. And, and just to end off, I think that the key is that if we're always giving reasons and excuses and the reason why I can't and the reason why I wasn't, stop it. Stop it. Develop this perspective a little bit and actually put in the time. And that's the first thing we started with. Put in the time. Make sure that your time on a daily basis is actually building towards a goal. That there's life in that there's life within your life, that there's life within your days, and that your days have like a number of hours that are really accounted for, and that they actually mean something. If a person does that, they'll be able to achieve real greatness. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.